Rituals are the foundation pulling us together, but it takes a community to support the rituals we need throughout our lives. Welcome to the journey of finding your community. Learn the knowledge of generations and how it applies to your everyday life. Tune in for an unconventional perspective on ancient wisdom and how it can change your life right now. I will tell you how to navigate this fast-changing world with the power of the gifts you already have. Living your gifts with me, Susan Hoff, Ancient Applications for Modern Times starts now. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Living Your Gifts, Ancient Applications for Modern Times. I'm your host, Susan Hoff. I welcome you today and invite you to join me the second Wednesday of every month as we discuss topics to help you find your gifts and your community. In the Dagara tradition, the earth element is about mothering and the value of being mothered. Earth is all about love, self-love, loving your community and feeling at home within and with others. The earth element grounds us and helps us create an identity in a home where we are nurtured and feel safe. The earth always holds us. It's the mothering aspect of this element I'm looking forward to talk about today. And I am thrilled to not only have Dr. Pat joining us again, but to introduce you to two of the women in my village. My guests today are Suzanne DeCarion and Kristen Wood. Suzanne DeCarion is the founder of Earth Alchemy, holistic care and a holistic caregiver. She works with critically ill patients on a daily basis, providing plant medicine protocols and compassionate support. Suzanne raised three children in Laguna Beach, California, and is a passionate believer that the village she surrounded herself with, with helped raise her children. Beautiful friendships with other like-minded parents created her village and helped mold so many conscious young people. Meeting me and learning the teachings of Sabonfu Sumay were in perfect alignment with Suzanne's beliefs regarding pairing her children. All three of her children know they are loved, seen, and supported by their community. And Kristen Wood. Kristen and I co-founded Walking for Water. She attended George Mason University where she graduated with a BA in sociology in 2011. Kristen is a full-time homeschooling mom in this pandemic who loves traveling and spending time in nature with her family and friends. You know, I want to take a moment because it's the earth element to just take some breaths and really get grounded and ask that you really align with your heart today, that you're open it and you hear it and you listen to this mothering aspect and it broadens how you see earth interacts with you and how you can see a new way to mother. Sabanfu always told the story about when a man came to the village and asked her, can you get me your mom? Sabanfu got really confused. In fact, she got pretty shaken up by it. She said, what are you talking about? They're all my mother." Sabanfu had no knowledge that she had a biological mother who took precedence over the other women whom she all considered her mother. In fact, she'd tell some wild stories about how she made sure she went to the right mother all the time. This is how children are raised in the Dagara tradition. All women are your mothers and all men are your fathers. That type of energy surrounding a child is not only beneficial to the child, but to the mothers. Kristen came into my life in this way. She was young. She was in second grade. I remember the first day I saw you, Kristen. And I knew that you were going to be a part of my life and that I was going to. Um, I didn't know it was going to be 
like another mother at the time, but I knew that there was some karmic connection. And Suzanne came into my life through her daughter, Maya, which was a similar energy that I felt that deep connection with both of you in different ways, but very community based. So I've always wondered what would my life have looked like if I had been raised in the Dagara and not with so many, with a more conscious aspect of more mothers. So Kristen, you were so young when you got involved in all of this. I, I can't even imagine how has that impact, impacted and shaped your life? I think it's shaped everything in my life, my entire outlook on life, my view on friendships and family and connections. Uh, I remember you lived right around the corner from me and uh, I was best friends with Ashley, who is Susan's daughter. And I remember from elementary school on wandering over to Susan's house and having uh, having just, just this deep sense of, I was always welcome there. I was, I never had to knock. I just would walk right in and say, hey. And at first I kind of was like, oh yeah, this is very special for me. They are seeing me. And then I started noticing that all of us, Susan's friends did the same thing and all, of, all of her family and all the other neighbor kids and everything and it was uh, it was the first time when I said wow this this house is a home to a lot of people a lot of people more than just me and because uh, I know when I grew up we would have people uh, come visit family very planned very scheduled but uh but it was my first experience with someone at any time, at any moment, just being fully welcomed and embraced as they are at that moment into someone's life, their home. And uh, I just remember always being in awe by it. And when I was having um, my time with the village with uh, Susan and Sabumfu, and there was just this deep sense of um, never being lonely. It was a... Uh, you, if you wanted to get up late and have a snack, there was probably somebody else down having a snack and you could hang out. If they wanted to go on a walk, there was someone around who was also wanting to go on a walk. It was a, it was just this deep feeling of, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I have, I have any choice of people that I can be with right now. And that was a, in stark contrast to my other environment growing up. So it was a, it was really beautiful to be able to see the two and kind of walk in both now as an adult and say, I know what I definitely want for my child. And that, that that's growing up with a deep sense of community. It, it wasn't always easy though, if I recall, just an FYI. No. Sometimes no. Kristen had so many mothers. Like I remember one time, Kristen, you wanted to kill us and we were all in the car, remember that? And we were, yes. we were not, you're not getting out of the car. And it was like, Kristen was a one, was the youngest, person to ever go through a ritual healing village like she got initiated in Sabofa's tradition at a very young age Amazing. and um and Maya her daughter also came to grief rituals at a very young age wow. uh, at 12 so um it, it's it, it these kids got something but they also didn't get away with as much if I recall yes we were constantly uh not just me but me I had a lot to be caught on <laughs> I remember that um, it was uh, when you would mess up, it was funny because we, my friends, we all, Susan's house was like a, a hangout for 
all of Ashley's friend group. It was a safe place for us. And I remember that we would be, uh, we would do things that we know we're messing up and we would find ourselves telling Susan about it. Like we were telling on ourselves, we needed a safe place where like we needed a parent to kind of be like, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. Or, you know, you shouldn't be hanging around that. And, uh, but it was a safe container for us, things that we would not go to our our personal families with, but we still needed a safe container to um, to have an outlet for uh, things that wouldn't have had an outlet with an adult otherwise. I, and I often wonder, like, what was it like being a mo- the mother to opening your heart to a new way? Did you do it organically that you knew to raise your children with others or did you make a consciousness around it? Uh, I think it was both because, and cause I knew even when I moved to this community, which is Laguna Beach, when, when I moved here, it was that innate wanting that uh, community, but not being able to define it. Not because of course I wasn't raised like that. So not being able to be able to really articulate what I wanted. And then, but, but with that came more of a feeling, it just started to manifest that way. And it's fun listening to you, Kristen, because that whole dynamic has been transferred right here to Laguna. And so my daughter got to be raised exactly the way you did and have that experience. And the kids just come and go from here because they know and how priceless is that? And so I wanted that for my daughter. And there's a certain element, I think, in our modern culture of letting go because everything's so much about helicoptering your kids and, and you know, that too much control. So there was part of that, of, of me being able to kind of on a soul level say, I want the village to raise my children. Mm-hmm. You know, I want it to not just be me. I want them to be exposed to a lot of mothers. And that's exactly what happened. And it, and then I became one of those mothers to the other, you know, kids as well. And it happened very organically, but with um, such deep purpose, yeah. you know, so there was an inner knowing around it, but there was no, um, you know, it wasn't like structured or anything like that. It just happened and it just clicked. And so, so many of us, you know, came together and created this community. And that first story that Susan mentioned about Saban food, I just remember the first time I heard that story about her not knowing who her biological mother was, you know, not necessarily knowing which one it was because so many had mothered her. And, you know, I just, that story just never left me. I come back to that and I share that story all the time. I repeat, you know, the story that was repeated to me. And that really struck a chord with me of wanting that for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask this, uh, because I want to take us to a short break. You know what this reminds me of? I mean, it took me to travel clear across the country, right, from the East Coast. I was born in New York, raised in New York, lived in New Jersey. But I have that New York culture. So whenever you hear people from New York on the news or the media or whatever you hear, that's like really true. But what we don't speak about is why New Yorkers are categorized in a certain way. And mm-hmm. one of the things that's important is that for me, um, when I moved to the West Coast and my mentor was out of Santa Rosa, California, a woman that took people on vision quests, what I realized is so simple 
in New York, all the mothers were responsible for all the children in our neighborhood. I mean, we didn't say it. We're like not talking like that. We didn't like mothers didn't get together and say, oh, let's get together and let's be. There was something so organic in it. And it's very hard for me to describe because, uh, Kristen, when you were talking about it, it just like flashed. I could see my old neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. My old block where, you know, Mama DeVito was making meatballs for my mama, who wasn't Italian, uh, Mm -hmm. from the South and would bring the meatballs over. And I watched these two cultures, two very matriarchal cultures. One, the old country, Italian, Polish, Brazilian, Mm -hmm. all of them. And the South, where every Sunday, the ritual of this. But I want to ask you this question. I'm a little bit older than you guys, but I want to ask you this question. It seemed like we got away from it. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to say it. But it seems like as a collective society in the United States, we got away from it. Still a little bit of it's going on culturally. Um, But it seems like that. I wonder if it's now time to bring it back powerfully. I think if we don't take a deeper look at the lack of community, I think that's why our culture is failing right now. I think that's why America is so struggling is because we don't know what it's like to be connected. We got isolated in our little boxes and then we pretend we're okay. Where if you're living in a community, you know somebody's not okay and you address it and you say, what do you need? I mean, even the way that we did it, like, you know, I can, I, I can feel when Kristen, even from across the country, when she's struggling, I can say, okay, honey, what is going on? Don't hide that from me. Well, my daughter's in Honolulu and she feels her too. So <laughs> she's feeling oh, everywhere. Yeah. But it's about working together. It's like Suzanne said, we've got to come back together and not mother individually because it's not working. Because uh, we can't do it a lot. I mean, isn't it that Sabanfu really was part of the um, the movement, let me call it, to uh, enable women to ask for help from other people. You see, this idea of asking for help, somehow, I don't remember when parents stopped thinking it was okay to ask for help. Because when I was growing up, my mom would be like, oh, I cannot take care of these kids today. Can you help? But now there's this sense of independence, which makes it very hard. And I'm not just saying around parenting. I think we're struggling as women to say, I need help with this or that. Or, I mean, what is your take on that? I think it's a sense of failure, not wanting to look like failures or thinking we can do it all mm-hmm. i think there's some, i don't know Kristen. you're the youngest mom of us all you know control too and yeah well i mean you have to be willing to say your kids aren't perfect when when you co-parent with other moms you have to be able to say like my kid messed up like 
I, you know, and there's something that's broken down in culture about that. I, I don't quite get it, but it started, I think, in my mother's generation, because I do remember my mother not wanting, I talked too much about my life and my mother saying, shh, you don't, you don't need to tell people everything, Susan. And I was like, why not? Who cares? What's mm -hmm. the big deal? And then I think it got worse for you, Kristen. Yeah, there was a, there was a, uh, a lot when, uh, my experience was different because when I became a mother, I was, uh, and still am married to someone in the military and I was alone, essentially alone all the time, uh, with my baby. And it was very hard because I didn't have an established community in the early years. And thankfully I had you and, uh, Sabumpu nearby to come help me right in the first few days but i had to i went a period of time where i didn't have one and i didn't feel comfortable at that point being in a different state and not knowing people feel comfortable trying to meet up and make friends in that way and to have somebody see me uh in full postpartum and <laughs> you know it's a it was a it was a sense of i don't want I don't want people to see how deeply I'm struggling or how, mm. how hard this is for me. And uh, I ended up hiring postpartum doulas to just come hang out with me and sit with me because I knew I needed someone, but there was a fear around going out into the larger community for me at that point. Uh, let me ask this question, uh, Suzanne. Yes. Uh, let me ask this question because, and I'm going to start with the comment that was made to me a number of years ago. I worked in a coming of age program for uh, kids that were, uh, I think we, they had to be nine, eight or nine, mm -hmm. right? Uh, up until like 13 or something. Uh, nine month program. These kids did everything that they needed to do to follow the rituals. And the second year, the light bulb went on and said it doesn't work unless the parents go on their own coming of age program right because the kids were getting so much more smart they were getting so much smarter than the parents and they would come home every week they would talk about building sweat lodges and doing this and burning sage and the parents would be like what are you burning what what so the light bulb went on and then we created a parallel path. Black eyed peace corps. Yeah, that's it. But here's my question. We didn't have any doubt. Those of us that were facilitating or maybe we were the mentor, each of us had a had a mentee child we you know that we were working with. Someone said to me something the other day and they said something like, I don't know if those rituals are ancient or timeless rituals can recover from the lost memory. And I said, you know, why do you say that? And they said, because the teachers are not as visible. Mm. And I want to ask you all about that because you are visible about it, but yet there's a sense and a longing uh, Suzanne, there's a longing that people don't even understand the longing and how to ask for it. There's a longing from women. Let me just say women. I didn't work on the men's side of that program, um, but men were doing it. And I want to ask you about this because do you feel there is a consciousness of longing for what you're teaching? And what would you say to folks to bring that ancient wisdom 
rituals, what would you say to folks to bring that to bear? Because Sabanfu shared that with you. So how are we sharing it with others outside of the show? What's your feeling on this? So this is a question for Susan, right? Because <laughs> you said, Suzanne, I just want to make sure. I mean, I think this is for all of us. I mean, I think Sabonfu showed us by living it for one thing. I mean, everything she did was not hidden, you know, and, and I remember one time, and I'm going to get even more into that next, next time we, we have this is when I met her, she made sure there was no, she, we were in the car. I was with my friend, Jennifer, we were picking her up for the first time to take her to a ritual. And we're thinking she's a guru, right? We're <laughs> like, we're like, mm, let us be like good little angels in the, in the thing, which is not Jennifer and I at all. And all of a sudden she started talking about farting <laughs> in the car. And I was like, and so then I told a story about my dad and doing it. But what it was is there's no hierarchy. There's no fear of being seen. There's no fear of being real. And I think that's the gift that Sabonfu really gave us. Like step in and just be yourself. And if you need help, just by God say you need help, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you're feeling crazy, like call on somebody to help you with this craziness. You know, mm -hmm. poor Kristen, she got... I mean, when, you know, Kristen was our guinea pig in some ways because she was the child in the village, right? I mean, my, my son and my daughter would come in and out, but they, that was the way they acted out was like, ugh, what mom does. But they, all three were raised by probably four or five mothers. Yeah. Well, then that's yeah. my question for Suzanne, because you are a real live, ex so you are a representation of taking the concept, the idea, the teaching, and putting it into life. So let's just be honest. I mean, when when a child, for all of us that parent, it's just like Ashley and and Branner. You know, there's this incredibly close connection with you, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's certain things that can't be heard because you are such a close parent. So then you bring in another parent, right? from the community and all of a sudden it can be heard. And it was the same thing with my daughter, Maya, you know, if she can't hear it from me, she can hear it from Susan. Yeah. She can hear it from other women in, in the community that we've been created. And, and it takes, you know, it does take some time to integrate that community. I heard someone say once that it's three years to create a community. You know, and I thought that kind of resonated with me. Mm -hmm. um, we, that it does. we have a great community. Too. We do. And we've taken the time and it's been nurtured. And we've, you know, in a very organic way, brought the children in and then let them go, you know, let them organically take their steps to get the support that they need in the way that feels right to them. But we gave them the tools through introducing them, integrating them into the community. And so... You know, and then going back to what you said, you know, Dr. Pat about, you know, the kids are learning all this amazing stuff, right? And they're coming home and doing these rituals. And it is important to be in the line of gum. I mean, my mine kind of happened a different way because I was already doing that. And then she, but I didn't necessarily impose it on her. Mm -hmm. I tested the waters with her and exposed her to it. And she was either going to take to it or she wasn't. And, you know, thankfully she did. So that's kind of how how it was back then yeah it was like 2008 ish you know right around there. yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's a whole different world i mean 
you know, I, I, I think it's a good time to take a break, but it is a whole different world. I mean, some of this is really funny. There are some funny stories that come out of this. There really are. I mean, I, I was called in the middle of a night for an intervention to go to a, a to, to one of the kids' homes because the, the kid was doing a ritual in his seashell <laughs> of sage and he lit the thing on fire and the parents were convinced it was marijuana. They thought it was weed. And at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning, they're like, you got to come over here. You made my kid a drug addict. And I'm like, what, what are you oh, talking okay. about? And now, because we forget. <laughs> now, it does really smell like that. Now, I'm just it saying so, some of it does. But... I had to bring my sage over. I had to do the, this like by three, four in the morning, right? Um, there is an education and some of the stories are funny because we are funny mm -hmm. sometimes when we learn. Uh, when we come back, I'd love to hear about the openness of this teaching and how this openness uh, that you all have learned and you're bringing forward you know, this welcoming spirit home, right? The energy of that, which is so powerful and how it is important in the world we're living in today, because even with COVID-19 and what we've all had to learn differently, this is a powerful message to tap into the hearts, the collective hearts. Um, let's take a short break. What do you think, Susan? Uh, before we go, what should people know? How should they find out more? Go to livingyourgifts.com and you can find out more about what we're doing and find me on Facebook, Susan Huff, H-O-U-G-H. And, you know, and Suzanne, tell them about what you're, you're yeah. Oh, mine. So again, it's community and it's a lot of what I learned here, but mine is earth alchemy, holistic care. So it's and the reason we added holistic care is bringing in all the holistic providers from our community because we are integrating that completely for um, whole being wellness. And Susan is a big part of that. So um, yeah, earth alchemy, holistic care, but thank you. I love it. I just got some new sage from my trip to Montana right off the side of the road nice. you can smell it a mile away let's take a short break everybody we'll be right back have you ever wondered what your pets think about do you know what your pets are saying to you dr monica will be your pet's translator to help you understand what your pets are trying to communicate to you enhance the bond with your furry friends on pets talk with pet communicator dr monica each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about Dr. Monica, visit PetCommunicator.com. Message delivery by Lisa Ann. You can't make this stuff up. Tune in every first and third Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Message delivery is an inspirational show about the journey to enlightenment and spirituality. For more information or your own personal message delivery, visit angelmessages2u.com. That's angelmessages, the number two, the letter U, dot com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on transformationtalkradio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. 
Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit burnbrighttoday.com. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Steffen each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. Raising the vibrations through stimulating conversations while exploring the mysteries of Atlantis and Lemuria on Tales from the Mer World Radio with me, Amira Beth. Join us every second and fourth Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Be ready to feel empowered and an active part of the changing earth. For more information about me, visit AmiraBeth.com. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living LLC. For more information about Karen, visit karenbenton.com. Welcome back to Living Your Gifts at Transformation Talk Radio. And today I'm so delighted to have such amazing people in the studio with me who are already mothering and who are utilizing a lot of the, the lessons we learned from Sabonfu and how to really get grounded in mothering and also how to see that all women are mothers. I mean, I think that's what I really want to take a look at. Some of the best mothers are the mothers who have not given birth physically. Mm -hmm. uh, or, and I mean, fathers, we need men because you can see from a different viewpoint what's going on. And I always remember the story Sabumfu saying, I went from mother to mother in order to get the answer I wanted to get in the village. <laughs> And I, I, I think there is something about when you have more women and when more men, if you're father, around the fathering, to talk about maybe how to get through something, then you have a lot more to draw on. And um, Kristen, I, I know that you had that in the, in the village and that you had to go through rituals with us. And does any ritual really stand out that helped you kind of see your gift and your connection to being a woman from all angles? Uh, I can't think of a particular ritual, but I think as a whole, being in the community and being exposed in um, such a connected relationship with so many adults around me, I think that I got to see, you know, you grow up with your nuclear family, your mother and whoever else is in the house, and you know their personality and their dynamics. And when you are able to have so many uh, mothers and fathers and so many different personalities and so many different, uh, just everything that an individual brings to the table. And when you're able to have all these different people and know them intimately and love them as a, um, as a human, I think it gives you softness towards yourself. Oh, 
That's all right. We, but I want us to pick up on what she's saying on the softness for herself thing. She's so right about it. And one of our Facebook watchers, uh, Heidi, just sent a note that talked about and is saying that her child is better, better off having many mothers. And so, you know, when we think about this, there is a softening. And, and, and why do I think that's important? Well, I'm not sure if we all had these rough days. I'm just saying, I don't know, maybe Kristen doesn't, maybe Suzanne, Susan, maybe you don't. But I know as a kid growing up, I had some rough edges, right? Sometimes they were a little pointy. Uh, and uh, Vito's mama down the street, she knew how to just take that pointy edge and just make that thing a little softer. Maybe it was the Italian cookies. I don't know. But there was something about those moms knowing exactly what to say. And that is a gift. And I think that, you know, this is, this is so important to talk about the softening of those edges and what that means. And sometimes it's not a softening by people, you know, patting you on the head or telling you how great it is. Sometimes there's some tough love in there, right? Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes there's tough love and then acknowledgement that everybody has been through that at some point in stage in their mothering and in their childhood. You know, like when Suzanne and I talk about whatever it is with the kids, you know, my kids or her kids, it's like mirroring something back so you're not alone or you don't feel, I mean, that's the problem in our culture, we're alone. And so our problems get so much bigger when it's normal, <laughs> you know, that to have a kid act out against you or be more angry. Like you said, Maya can come to me sometimes because I'm not her biological mom yeah so. and my sons too i just have to say it's you know we're kind of focusing on on kind of the female but uh, it's amazing what i've seen with my young men you know and how they have gravitated and you know i'm getting a little wordy here you know I, for lack of better words the divine feminine you know they have this they might not know why they're drawn to it or why they need that but they do and so for them, it's this accepting of the feminine and that perspective and something that they really need and allowing themselves to receive it has been really, really priceless. And, and knowing that they have someone other than just, just me, it's like starts here, but then they get it. And it's, it's amazing to watch how they've blossomed as young men by accepting the mothers, you know, and I've, I see that a lot in the community, not just with my own boys but it's been an incredible observation of what that's done for our our young men i, I think of one of the rituals that sabonf used to do as an intimacy ritual where you really had to look at one another where you really had to you know i don't know if kristen remembers but you, you'd have to glare at each other to kind of and you'd see yourself mold, meld and see like wait i'm not different from this person um we are the same we and and you would put your backs to each other and yell at spirit about what was pissing you off about what somebody was doing. And it was more about spirit coming in and helping you get clarity than actually the anger that you thought you had about the other person who has their back to you, right? Uh, and so I think it, community is about really acknowledging that we are humans and we're struggling and we can't do it. 
by ourselves anymore. We just can't. So perspective too, just, you know, that I'm thinking about how that is a different perspective that they're getting from this mama versus, versus me. It's priceless. Well, let's talk about if we could, uh, and I think this is for, uh, Suzanne and Kristen, um, let's talk for a minute about how you both have brought this teaching of Sabanfu into modern time, right? Because sometimes, you know, when I've shared about some of the rituals, I forget to talk about how those rituals are part of everyday life now. Um, I'd love for you to share a little bit about how you're doing that. Mm. Kristen, do you want to, do you have something? Or Suzanne. Sure. Um, so for me, when I got settled, uh, I live in Maryland and when I got settled, I fortunately was able to find an incredible group of, uh, women friendships who had children in similar ages. And, uh, we have created a family, a community. The children believe they are siblings. The, um, they are free to come and go uh, to each other's houses, spend time with each other. We meet weekly. Uh, we try to meet weekly, and we call it a little sacred uh, children's circle where we just do uh, small, small intentional rituals with them. And what we're trying to do now is get them to lead their own groups and so if they have an idea or a topic that they want to discuss the next week we're leading towards having them create their own rituals to um, for things that are impactful for them and meaningful for them Kristen, do you remember the ritual you did down at the water with all your little friends i think you were in the double digits yeah we <laughs> i remember i remember doing the uh the uh, milk and honey on Fridays all the time. Yeah. Which, oh, the one when we found the fish, is that? that? <laughs> yes. We, we did, they did I have, I have rituals by the water when they were, they were young. Yes. Yes. And we do But uh, mainly teaching them. Go ahead. Yes, mainly, mainly teaching them how to, uh, how to ask for help, how to call in their support, how to call in the elements, the nature around them, and uh, to connect deeper in with their friendships between each other, with their friendships between the mothers, with the friendships uh, with themselves. And it's uh, that's what we're trying to do with our kids. And I'm very, very fortunate uh, to have a solid, he's, Silas has not, from the time he was six months on, he has not known strong community. He's, uh, he's always been in it. To the point where when he found out that uh, one of my friend's children's, uh, he thought that because he always believed he was his cousin, he thought that, of course, they shared the same grandmother. And they, when he found that out last year, he was shocked. He said, what do you mean? Where, your grandmom's not my grandmom? And uh, it, was, it was the sweetness of knowing that they are family, uh, our friendships are family to him. And... Uh, I, I'm grateful to Susan for modeling that to me and Sabanfu, and uh, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine it any other way. It makes me, re reminds me of when Sabanfu died, and um, I had to call my son. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first thing he said is, 
one of my mothers died today. Mm -hmm. And I thought I did something right, <laughs> you know, yes. that he felt that way. But it was like this blessing and this sadness of like, knowing that that you can create we have to know we if it may have to be more conscious we may have to like step out of this these boundaries that we put around us and really say i'm tired of doing it alone i need help you know i'm just tired and it, it is tiring to be a mom by yourself it is you know and i know that you've done it differently yeah Definitely. And I don't know what I would have done without you and without, without our community, without the teachings of Subanthu, without that openness to give up the control that maybe in, in our culture here is, is more, you know, embedded, deeply embedded and knowing that that doesn't sit right with me, you know, on, on a soul level, it doesn't. So, um, and having that be nurtured from you and other women, in our community has been completely priceless, you know, and to, see, and to see how it, how it's, how it's worked, you know, when you see a group of teenage girls that are a part of this community, then they're doing rituals on their own without, you know, now, now they they just do it. Hey, let's go do milk and honey on a Friday. And the group of teenage girls goes themselves. We're not even with them and they, they take off down there. So that gets integrated, ingraded, I should say, you know, it becomes innate to them and they are going to pass that on and how priceless is that they are going to absolutely pass that on and there is something about um you you have to do a milk and honey ritual on a friday because it's an earth day in the dagara tradition so you're asking for nurturance and sweetness and you're giving it to the water and that's it you're putting milk and honey together and making an offering and there is a sweet and you pray to the spirits of the water that help you move through all the crap we take on in this world. And if I were to say one ritual, I know by Friday, if I don't do that ritual, I'm just not as good. And like, sometimes Suzanne will call me and say, what time are you doing the ritual today? <laughs> or, or she'll call me and say, I'm doing it at nine. Can you do it at nine today? I mean, it's, it's, it's like a sweetness to have somebody even hear you pray about what you're struggling with. And that's yeah. exactly what we do. Yeah, I think you nailed something that's so important to me, and it just triggered something for me, and that is the witnessing. You know, this something I learned in my spiritual journey of the rituals of things is it's a witnessing. You get to have witnesses for who you are, what you're going through. I mean, there is an idea of being heard, but also being understood and that's so powerful about what you all are talking about today because we are finding and people across the board every survey that's out there is saying the same thing people don't understand me they're not hearing me they're not knowing what i really want to say or do and this is across the board all ages uh, and the idea of witnessing each other in our daily lives is one of the most powerful things there is. And by the way, COVID-19 is, is forming uh, a process that is pushing the witnessing forward. Because when you're in a house full of people like, oh, 
you cannot avoid this, right? You either have to learn some skills really quickly or learn to understand things quickly. And that's one of the, how should I say it, offsets or benefits of what's happening and bringing people together in ways they haven't been before. But isn't that part of the learning? Isn't that part of it? Isn't there a part of witnessing that goes on in the teachings of Sabanfu where you don't even have to say it? You don't have to say it. I think she gave us all the ability to say, wait, do you think this life is going to be easy? Forget about it. (laughs) But it's going to be a whole lot easier if you have people holding you and nurturing you through the struggle. And um, that goes back to the grief ritual, which was the main ritual we used. And it's about acknowledging grief, acknowledging fear, acknowledging sadness, acknowledging death. It's huge. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we haven't even touched on that enough, I don't think. It's just, it was everything. You know, and to have kids, to have young people resonate with that, you know, they're not taught about grief, right? Young people, they're not taught about that. But to have them exposed to that and to watch the, watch the light bulb go on, oh, my gosh. I, I remember the first grief ritual with Maya. Mm-hmm. And she opened me up. She asked for it. Nobody suggested this to her. She's 12 years old. She says, Mama, she says, I want to do grief ritual. I want to do Sabantra's grief ritual. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, that's heavy, you know, for a 12-year-old to take that on. That's a lot. Those are people wailing. These are people, you know, in a very safe container, you know, vomiting out their grief. This is heavy stuff. And so, you know, of course, I talked to Susan, and she says, you know what? she's going to have to meet with Sabanfu. So I says, great, I'll meet with Sabanfu. That's fine. <laughs> you know, and she sits down with Sabanfu and they have their powwow and Sabanfu says she's ready, you know, and she mm-hmm. held that, she held that space. I could not even believe what that little girl did. You know, it was amazing to me, breathtaking to watch her do that and really own her own experience and to be able to hold the space for everyone else. You know, she did and she was she was ready but mm. sabanfu you know was able to to do that and now i know that you would be able to do that you would be able to hold that i I, know, I think just giving people a place to feel what they feel is the most and kristen you started really young you and ashley and branner mm-hmm. started really young at that too i mean it it opened you in a different way i think don't you think mm. what did you do for you i i I think I cut out earlier, but I think for me, most of my experiences uh, with the community and with things like grief rituals was seeing people's wholeness, their humanness, and being able to hold it in a, in a not in a fear way or a, oh, you know, put it, go back to your room and do that in a, but in a, I see you, I accept you. This is normal. This is natural for emotion, for feeling, for, um, and in order to be able to relate that back to myself when I'm feeling that way to have compassion for me and hold space for myself and ask community to do the same. It's uh, for me, it was just this amazing witnessing and uh, being able to apply the, the softness that I felt for others towards myself. I, you know, I think um, what I'd really like to say is like, we, we, um, whoops, we experienced, it said something about the milk and honey ritual. 
And, you know, it's such an easy little ritual. I was going to give you another one today, but what I realized is milk and honey, all you need to do is get a little bit of milk, a little bit of honey, put it together. Like put this and go down to the water and be real with your friends. Get, get some women friends, get some kids and take it and ask for nurturance and sweetness to fill your entire body and say, I'm struggling about blah, blah, blah. This week was hard. I was on Zoom. I wanted to kill the teacher because I didn't feel like I was heard. Or maybe it's like, I'm so struggling. I don't know how to teach my children. I'm feeling alone in it. Just take it to the water, which is the element to really let you release and ask the earth to bring in nurturing and sweetness so that you can be filled completely with spirit again to take the next step, to take the next move, to being the mother you want to be or the father you want to be and how to really call in community in a new way. Take risks, step out of your comfort zone, zone say you need help and, and then do a ritual around it. Um, you know, I just want to say, Dr. Pat, I am always so grateful to co-host this because you always bring in an element that I think, damn, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I have such deep love for both Suzanne and Kristen that I am the most blessed human being to have the women around me and um, to see, you know, Suzanne's side by side. In fact, Suzanne's moving next door with me and, and, um, and Kristen, who... Uh, I couldn't have walked this earth without her, you know, that she brought such witness, such information. And so I want to just give a moment for, for Suzanne to like, just say a little bit about how she helps really people with severe pain in her, her work. And um, tell them a little bit about that before we close out. Well, like, and I think that is a really big part of our community here it, and supporting our community is, um, you know, through holistic means, we are creating protocols for critically ill patients and, and people with chronic conditions. And, but not, and, and we do that through plant, plant-based medicines yeah. support. And I think that is the biggest thing is providing the support. People can go and receive all kinds of, you know, me medicinal, you know, support, or I mean, medicinal remedies and things like that to support them and they can do their research and everything else but is there anyone there to guide them is there anyone there to make sure that if they need some hand holding you know for a while or for the entire entirety of their basically traumatic experience oh my gosh it's so important suzanne um you know, had somebody that went through this myself and knew nothing about holistic medicine, plant-based medicine, I now talk about it as life-saving for me. But the hand-holding part, there's nothing like it because no. people don't even know what they don't know about what's happening in their bodies. So what you're bringing to the forefront, by the way, is ancient. It is an ancient art. It is a science. It was the science that saved our, our humanity. And so it is a powerful way to bring that to the forefront. It is. Thank you. Very shamanic. It's, it, but it, it just comes very naturally. Of course, people need support. And that's what's dying. You know, people feel very isolated here. And so learning that from Susan slash Savanfu of 
you know, the West is dying. We need community. We need support. We need yeah. to be there for each other. There's a crisis across the board. Why are we not? Why is that so hard? Well, guess what? It isn't that hard, you know? So to be able to provide that for people in our community. Yeah, we need biscotti, milk, and honey. Yes. <laughs> we really do. I've got to bring the biscotti down to the water. Well, you don't drink it. You give it to the water. I know. <laughs> I, I, I got to eat the biscotti. And then you eat the biscotti. Exactly. So, um, Kristen, as always, thank you for mothering in, a, in the way that's necessary and needed and being a role model for those young ones to, to really step into that. And Dr. Patton, thank you for this show, who I don't know. I just love, I just love you, and I love what you're bringing to the world on all thank your you. stations. And you've been listening to me, Susan Huff, with Living Your Gifts, Ancient Applications for Modern Times on Transformation Talk Radio. And if you want to know more about what I do, go to livingyourgifts.com. And um, I'm just grateful. Is there anything anybody would like to leave with me now? Suzanne, I think it's great for you to give your website again. Oh, thank you. Earth Alchemy Holistic Care. EarthAlchemyHolisticCare.com. Thank you, Dr. Pat. Thank you all. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you. Yeah, Love thank you guys for reminding us of our true nature. And yeah. thank you all for tuning in and turning us on. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Living Your Gifts, Ancient Applications for Modern Times. Now go out and face the world with your powerful, unique self. You get to be you. Now that is radical show the world what you learned and help make it a little bit better each and every day. To learn more about me, please visit www.livingyourgifts.com. That's livingyourgifts.com.